punctuates it, and he creates his own offensive chance with that motor. Krejci to Coyle, and the Leafs are moved again! Welcome to Nesson Bruins Podcast. I'm Nesson.com's Mike Cole, joined as always by Nesson.com's Logan Mullen. Logan, how are you? Mike, I'm fine. How are you? Super. Fine as well. Uh... It's time to do hockey. <laughs> like, actually. Yeah, and the hockey has begun. Uh, I'm at a 10 uh, on my confidence <laughs> Look at scale you. of whether this thing will get restarted because there's hockey going on right now as we speak. So For posterity's sake, you should have done, like, a 9. Like, you should have been like, oh, I'm not totally confident. And I tell you what, too, and this is really going to be the only talk we'll do. I, the return to play stuff, I think, is done as far as our conversations are concerned, unless there's an outbreak. And my point was going to be the NBA, once again, we're doing this on Wednesday. The NBA announced again today, uh, I think it was like 300 more tests, zero positives. So the bubble thing is working for the NBA, and we just have to hope it works for the NHL. If it does for the NHL, this should be the last time we hear of it, other than just news about testing. Yeah, and I mean, if, if there is return to play stuff to tackle, I mean, we've gotten weeks worth of mileage out of those conversations before. So That's true. that probably won't sink us this time around. I do think there'll be an interesting check-in to, to be had next week, not to get too ahead of ourselves. Uh, and you and I can just kind of banter about this next week, kind of what everything looks and feels like after a week. Because uh, I think we got a pretty good idea now. It looks kind of normal. You know, the exhibition games have started. There's still – yeah, I think the, the NHL said in its big, uh, you know, they did that video video conference without reporters where they, uh, the head of marketing or whatever said, we're kind of holding back some things until the actual real games start. But just from what we've seen so far, it looks good. From what we've yeah. heard from the, from, from the bubble, it sounds like life is as good as can be inside a bubble for two months. I know they're only a week into it, not even, but still, it's it, so far so good. So that's a, that's yeah. a um, and, and I think that, you know, Scotiabank, as it relates to the Bruins, like I think Scotiabank, it looks really good. Um, I think the way that they kind of put the covers over the seats looks good. They're letting teams bring their own advertisements. I'm not sure if you saw during the lightning game today, they had a bunch of fans sign a piece of the glass and bring it up. So there's like a bunch of Tampa Bay lightning fans signatures on a piece of glass when the lightning are at home, like little things like that, that I think, I was expecting it to look weird without fans, and it almost looks more like if you were watching, like, an Olympic game. Yeah, and it, like that's that. that's actually been a develop, developing opinion I've had, is that this thing just feels like an Olympic tournament. Be, you know, you have everybody staying together. Uh, you've got the world feed. You know, you've got – I think a lot of the production is going to be similar. It's just yeah. – yeah, it does feel very well, olympic and at least on the NBC broadcast, too, I thought the natural sound sounded great. Yeah. It, that, I, I thought I think it sounded it, good. I think that, that background natural sound has sounded – it has sounded pretty good in baseball. I think it really helps baseball. Yeah. Um, but it, sometimes you can tell that it's being pumped in. The hockey stuff sounded very natural, almost too much. Like I, I feel kind of, like it's – I feel like it's too easy to – or much easier to do natural sound for hockey than it is baseball. Because, like, baseball, it's tough to do the cheers and everything. But hockey, it's pretty cut and dry where you just keep the baseline sound and then you have, like, scoring sound, big hit yeah. sound. That's it is weird, though, because, like, I don't – I mean, I'm sure you've been to the garden for morning skate or practice. Like, you miss the net and you hit the glass – 
it echoes throughout the entire building. And you're not going to get that this time around or in this. So I like that's impressive sound mixing at the very least. <laughs> right. Those sorts of sounds don't echo throughout the building. I think part of that too is, you know, having the, the pro I imagine the way they set up the seats and the way they brought in those things. I imagine there's some science there in terms of like limiting the echo as well. So probably good job by them. Um, be, the one thing, yeah, the one thing I am curious to see is like what happens when, somebody scores a goal in the third period and it's like a big spot and that's where yeah. you miss the roar of the crowd that's been my thing with golf is like your guy hits like a 60 foot putt on sunday on the 16th hole and it's like this is where people would go nuts so i think that's gonna be a weird thing. little golf claps right so all right uh let's talk about the bruins uh we'll use the uh the covid stuff as a jumping off point uh david posternak has joined the team in toronto uh did he so he traveled with him yeah right he did, yeah. Yeah, so he's good to go. Like, everything is good to yeah. go. Um, yeah, yeah. And the, he has practiced with them since they've been in Toronto. Uh, he revealed Tuesday uh, what – we finally solved the riddle of David – well, some, it had, some of it. It had been so long. Yeah. Um, so, Pashnak came back from Europe. European players had to quarantine for 14 days. Uh, in, the, in between or during quarantine or whatever – uh, he went and practiced in Malden. Uh, that was a no-no. He had to quarantine again for 14 days. Um, so that's where he mentioned Tuesday quarantining for 28 days. You do the math. There you go. Um, that's somewhat of an answer. I feel like there's more to the story, especially considering Andre Kasha still isn't back. But right. it at least it gives you an idea of, you know, or it's at least a story of <laughs> – why he had the to quarantine so it makes sense i guess yeah it's something i think also that the where i'm still confused is if he had done the quarantine it was basically on pace to go back to the bruins more or less on time why did he go to malden why did he like it's either he just did not know the rules or he ended up blowing right past them and you know regrets the fact that there was a photo that ended up on Twitter. I don't know. But it didn't make a whole lot of sense to me that if his quarantine was almost done, even if he was going to miss a day or two of practice, why would you jeopardize it by going to some local rink in Malden? That I don't fully understand. But the timelines, at least what he was giving, seemed to line up. And I say that basically what happened was on Tuesday when he spoke, Kevin Paul DuPont put from the Globe, put all the pieces together, spelled it out to Pasternak, and he was like, yeah, couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> and, and that was it. So that basically he just acknowledged what the puzzle that Dupes put together for him, which, hey, it's an answer nonetheless, right? But I'll be curious to see once Andre Kasha eventually shows up to Toronto, if he ever does, and eventually speaks, because he will have to eventually address the media, I'm sure – if there's a story that needs to be straightened, they will have their stories straight. But at the same time, it's probably – there will probably be people trying to poke holes in it. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't take a detective to really put together some of the pieces that are available to us, even without the full story. Uh, the fact that Andre Kasha – there really doesn't seem to be any sort of timeline for him getting to Toronto either, so that's kind of confusing. And then even when he does, he's going to have to quarantine. So that's neither here nor there. We'll kind of touch on it a little bit more. I just want to get a few more things on Pasternak. Uh, I do think actually – and Pasternak's 
the fence, if this is the actual story, I think it's a good look for him. Or not a good look because he probably either – he did something wrong and he basically apologized for that. But, like, at least if he was getting a skate in, <laughs> that's a right. little more understandable it, it, than – running around the bars or whatever. Yeah, uh, it, it was well, not totally reckless right. necessarily. Yeah. He's getting his work in, yeah. Um, but, oh, and to that point, that leads me to my next uh, uh, thing is that whatever it is that held him back and, you know, whatever he's been doing in Europe, et cetera, et cetera, uh, which has not been getting a haircut. The guy's got some uh, – Yeah, he has some, well, uh, some lettuce, yeah. Uh, it doesn't seem to have affected him. He's gotten – Right. Basically, rave reviews from everybody who's seen him play. Um, and, again, it's tough to say because reporters aren't at practice right now or really ever for the rest of this uh, run. Uh, all we can go off of is the video and, you know, press conferences. And Bruce Cassidy, two days in a row, has said uh, he's done a, a good job. He looks like he hasn't missed a step. And just as importantly, on Wednesday today, Brad Marchand and Patrice Bergeron both saying uh, that he looks good to go. And they both actually joked or – maybe not joked, I guess if you're a Bruins fan, you hope they're joking, uh, said that they actually have to do work to catch up to Pasternak, saying that Pasternak was ahead of them in terms of being ready. So it sounds – I mean, we'll, we won't know for sure until, well, starting Thursday, uh, but it sounds like, you know, uh, bullet dodged with, uh, with, with David Pasternak. And uh, I'll point to that too. It sounds like he will play Thursday night against Columbus in the, uh, the scrim- or the exhibition game. Sorry. It does. And I also think that – one of the things we talked about pretty much this entire time while we were trying to figure out the situation with Pasternak was nobody will really care all that much if he shows up and he's able to play well. If he shows up and he's in awful shape or his game's not there, he's going to get criticized for it. Probably deservedly so, right? But by all accounts, he looks okay right now. He was skating back in the Czech Republic for a while and I don't know if he was supposed to be doing this, but he was with a group of NHLers playing. Like, he was playing in semi-competitive situations. He admitted as much back in mid-June. And so I get that being basically away from the rink for a month and only being left to cross-train is not ideal. But at the same time, it's not like he had three months of downtime before getting back to Boston. Like, he was getting – some work in and we even the one practice at warrior that he did show up at there's that video of him ripping shots and yeah. it was just like top shelf top shelf bar down like his shot looked totally fine so i think as long as he and tomorrow will uh, thursday will probably be the litmus test right against the blue jackets if he comes out and he looks okay and he doesn't look like he's slow he doesn't look like he's getting gas too easily his game his hands look fine obviously there will be little things that he like everyone else struggles with you know plays in tight plays in small areas whatever but as long as he looks halfway adequate no one will care what happened he missed a couple weeks of training camp not ideal but if he looks fine how can you really get on him too much for that it'll be wild if he comes out and looks good and you know are we assuming he doesn't you know pull a hamstring in the first round or something you know he's gonna. You know he's gonna score on the first shift, right? Like he's gonna score 36 seconds into the game tomorrow. I was just thinking that. I was like, if he scores Thursday, the entire conversation about the Bruins in general changes in a heartbeat because there was some, you know, understandable pessimism and negativity kind of seeping in where it sounded, you know, they had the testing snafu. Obviously, not having Pasternak was a, a big deal. Not having Kasha is a big deal. Uh, 
the conversation started to get a little more negative than and we might have expected. But yeah, if Pasternak comes out and looks as good as he did in that one practice and as good as he looked prior to this pause, uh, the conversation is going to get a whole lot more positive regarding the Bruins. So um, again, no matter what happens, we're reading way too much into one meaningless game, but that's, that's life at this point. Oh, and as, as breaking are, news, you breaking saw news that too, on the right? podcast, I guess this actually leads us into one of our next conversations. So uh, let me pull this up so I can get it uh, uh, ready to go. Uh, you know, who has been busy in the uh, bubble apparently is Anders Bjork, uh, who the Bruins literally just 10 seconds ago announced they have come to uh, terms on a three-year contract extension through the 2023 season with Bjork for an annual cap hit of $1.6 million. Um, that'll be old news by the time the, the podcast is out, but that's a it's an interesting move for the Bruins. And for a guy who's been kind of in Bruce Cassidy's doghouse at times, especially uh, before the pause, an interesting commitment to, to a player who has pretty high potential. Yeah, well, I, I understand why they make the deal, right? Right. Because the potential is there. We've seen it a few times this year. Anders Bjork reaching his potential is more than a $1.6 million a year player. Yes, I right. think they, did, they, they operate this way. They did it with Jeremy Lozon, right? They signed Jeremy Lozon to an extension a few months ago, right, when he started to heat up. They signed Connor Clifton to that three-year deal a few years ago, uh, or uh, last summer, rather. So it's getting out in front of it. $1.6 million shouldn't totally – hamstring you from a cap situation it's probably if Andrew Bjork has a good uh postseason he probably elevates his value beyond that a little bit recency bias is probably going to cloud a lot of deals especially RFA ones and so I understand that the instant reactions I understand why the Bruins did this he's a cost control option you know and it's less than you probably would otherwise play and pay him if he ends up reaching the potential that you think he's capable of so yeah, why not? I also think this might tip the Bruins' hand uh, regarding their lineup for Thursday night and beyond. Maybe. Yeah, I, that's, a, that's a tough look if you sign a guy to a three-year extension that are healthy scratch up for Carson Pullman. Yeah, so I will kind of – now we're kind of going back and forth in between conversations. But getting into the lineup thing, I think the lineup's pretty set now at this point. I think, uh, I think you know, the first line is what it is. Uh, it sounds like, you know, it's coming down on a third line. It's going to be Bjork or Carson Coleman on, on, on that third line. I imagine Bjork's going to get the nod considering they just uh, committed to him financially for the next three years. And I do think that's where kind of Cassidy was hinting. But the one thing I want to really touch on uh, when we're talking about the lineup is the second line right wing position, which certainly sounds like it belongs to Jack Stanicka to start the playoffs. Uh, I think Cassie Alba confirmed that Studnicka will be in there on Thursday night. And kind of similar to Pasternak, a lot of rave reviews across the board. Uh, you know, Cassie likes his game a lot. For Christ's sakes, we were talking about comparing Studnicka to Patrice Bergeron just three or four days ago. And Cassidy, to Studnicka's credit, didn't shy away from the comp. Uh, the comp. Yeah. He's like, he's, like he's, a, he's kind of unfair, but there are a lot of similarities in their game. Certainly he's not. Bergeron yet but that's still the fact that he even entertained the conversation is telling uh and just as importantly David Krejci has had rave reviews as well for Stanika so right. I like this idea and I think this is a fascinating thing to watch in the next couple of games 
I like it too. They might as well. I think he's going to have a very short leash. And I think yeah. if he starts getting thrown around that, honestly, I think that the skill is there. I think what the concern is, is that he, he's 20 years old. He clearly still has some filling out to do. And I think that there's a little bit of skepticism on Bruce Cassidy's end if he's able to hold up physically in some of those games. You know, you're probably, if all things being equal, you're probably not healthy scratching, say, Nick Ritchie for uh, Jackson Nicka. The reason Andres Bjork can't hang out in the lineup and the reason he basically fell out of favor leading up to the pause was because he was not strong enough to play the type of game that Bruce Cassidy wanted him to play. So I think that the skill is there and that they're willing to see how that plays out against a team like Columbus. They'll get a shot against a team like the Flyers. Like it, all He's the gonna, teams in front of them right now are teams that are going to throw weight. They're going to try to kick his ass. Yeah. yeah it, it, they will most certainly try and kick his ass. And so I think what – we will see over the coming days is Bruce Cassidy giving him a couple shifts to see how he handles that. And if he sees him getting basically just ragdolled out there, then I, I don't see why they would risk taking the chance with him right now. I mean, he got hammered on like his first NHL shift. I forget who, which Canadians defenseman it was, but he got pounded right away. And it was like, after that, he settled in. He was fine. But he has filling out to do before he becomes an NHL player. And some of the things he can do in the AHL where you can dance around things a little bit because he's so quick and skilled, you can't necessarily do in the NHL. Well, he's a natural center too. So like, right. That's he's not, he's not used to going, you know, trying to keep pucks in along the boards. He's not, you know, used to those battles along the boards with defensemen. And, you know, to his credit, he, he has said all the right things and said the other day that he's, He's watched a lot of video of like veteran elite wingers and kind of he's been paying attention to like how they go and try to retrieve pucks along the boards and how they take on, you know, bigger players, you know, along the boards. And he's, so he sounds like he's putting in the work from that regard His high, you know, his hockey IQ is lauded by everybody. So he's a, a smart kid. It's good to hear that he's putting in that work, but yeah, you know, you're not going to know until you're, you're in it. And, to ask a guy who's been a natural center most of his life and doesn't have much of uh, an NHL resume to speak of at all, uh, putting him into the playoffs where, you know, guys are going to be running around looking to take his head off. It's a big ask. It is. But, um, you know, it's one of those things where if it works, it's going to look brilliant. And if it doesn't work, then you're right back to where you were. And, you know, you haven't literally lost anything unless the guy gets killed. So, yeah. Um, I had another point to make on that, but I forget. So. Yeah, it is what it is. You've been all um, aboard the Sidneka hype train. Yeah, well, no, I, I'm just going off of what everybody else says, too. And, like, especially when Cassidy starts, you know, gassing him up, because Cassidy isn't necessarily a guy who's just going to, you know. Wax poetic about a 20-year-old prospect. Just to do it. Like, yeah. I mean, maybe he's doing some sort of Jedi mind trick stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, speak it into existence. Yeah, and he knows who's how to push guys' buttons and things like that, but. Uh, yeah, he'll get a chance. And that's, I think, where, you know, the Bruins can use this, the exhibition game certainly, but also the uh, the play-in or the round-robin games to their to their benefit. So, yeah, um, I don't know. It'll be interesting because it doesn't sound like – I mean, they're this is what they're going to – and they, they, I guess the other thing too is they have the ability to use Stanika in that role for the next four games, counting the exhibition, and then hope that you start doing the math forward if Kasha – is anywhere close to returning, then you don't, you know, this doesn't have to be 
an entirety of the playoffs thing, or at least they're probably hoping. Like, but even then, if he comes out and plays well, Cassie said, like, we're not going to necessarily go back to Kasha if Sunday right. could play well. So. Well, and it's nice to have options too, right? It's nice right. to know what you're working with. So I think that the exhibition game means nothing. The round robin games mean something, but not a whole lot. So I, I don't think that he's going to shy away from giving. Yeah, Jimmy and it sounds like the, might as well. Right, and the the first line is the first line, and the third line gets playoff Charlie Coyle back, and Bjork plays well with you know tempered expectations. Then if you've got the first and the third lines rolling pretty well it kind of gives the second line some time to kind of come along as well. Right. Um, anything else on lineup talk you want to talk about? Sounds like Lausanne's going to get that. I mean, I don't think anything has changed on the defensive side, so. No. Okay. Uh, so, Saturday, right? Saturday this thing holds? This whole Saturday, thing? right. Sunday's the Bruins. Saturday's a bunch of – Yeah, Saturday at noon there's playoff hockey on, which is uh, – it's a nice thing to Saturday, say. August 1st. Where where do you want to start in terms of kind of you know previewing these uh, these series these play-ins? I guess you didn't want to start with the play-in. Uh, excuse me, the round robin. I'm never going to get it right. I just need. Sure. To get Let's it. start with the round robin. Any thoughts on the round robin? I really don't have many. So no, I'll... it's very unscientific. I don't think anyone's going to take it overly seriously. Agreed. And so I don't know. It's a crapshoot. I really don't care all that much about the round robin because who can predict how it's going to go? Like any anyone that says they are is being disingenuous. Yeah, in the Eastern Conference, I think it's the Bruins or the Lightning to win, and which means it'll probably end up being the Flyers. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Yeah. You know. I think I think for a story that will be coming out in a few days, I pick the Capitals just. Because yeah, I was gonna say I can see the Capitals looking like world beaters too, and just that you know, again, that's a good team that I, I certainly wouldn't sleep on. Uh, do you want to? I guess we just get into run through the uh, the series real quick. And I've already forgot all of them, so I'll look them up. Um, you want to start with the uh, the Toronto series? Sure. Uh, I have Columbus in that one. I think that Columbus can't score. However, they can't at all, no. No, they cannot. However, <laughs> I do think that Toronto's defense is bad enough that the Blue Jackets will be able to score enough, and they are – John Tortorella-led Blue Jackets teams are so good at parking the bus that I think they might actually be able to hang on against Toronto. And it's tough to – the Maple Leafs have been such a disaster this year, and, like, maybe time heals. But I, I going off of what I've actually seen, I'm a little skeptical of going all in on the Leafs. So I'm going, like, Blue Jackets in five. Yeah, I, I mean, the Blue, Jack, Blue Jackets are a frustrating team to play against. Uh, you know, they will pack it in. They're going to muck it up, whatever cliche you want to use. I just, like, that's worked really well against the Bruins and it's frustrated the Bruins. And, yeah. you know, I think that Toronto probably has better – they're better equipped to kind of overcome that, I think. I think they have a few more creative players. They, you know, they are better puck movers, I think, than the Bruins are. Um, yeah, maybe not. I don't know. Uh, the play, the uh, power play is uh, one of the best in the league. I, eh, eh. Yeah, it's weird, right? Because, like, both te- – it's a great matchup because it's – It is. Uh, it's a sneaky great matchup. It, because they both do – what they each do well is the opposite of what the other team does well. So, it's right. like a good offensive-defensive matchup, good power play on Toronto's side versus a good penalty kill on Columbus's side. Uh, 
Jeez. I think I think uh, Toronto eventually wins the series, but I think it will be a grind. So. Uh, oh, and more breaking news. Charlie, Charlie Coyle, Coyle, seventh player. Seventh player award. So, um, yeah, so there's that. Uh, Rangers, Hurricanes. I know you're big on the Rangers. I'm big on the Rangers. I'm doing Rangers in five. Okay. I yeah, think, I, not having Dougie Hamilton hurts Carolina. Yeah, that is lot. the big thing. And, and that, that Rangers top six is legit. And I think that they are just going to skate circles around Carolina, especially, I mean, Justin Falk was a guy where probably would have been prudent in, in retrospect. I understand why they moved him at the time, but not having him is going to hurt. And I get that Jacob Slavin is becoming like a legitimate top but pairing. Slavin's so defense. much better when the Hamilton's on the ice too. Right. So there's not a whole lot of defensive depth there. And the, the Rangers can score. I think they were third in the league in scoring last year. So, or this year, God. That is going to get me last year, this year. Yeah, that's true. Um, but, yeah, I've been all in on the Rangers, and I also think, too, that the goaltending options are helpful. And the Rangers played Carolina really well this year. Fucked them. I th- uh, yeah, 4-0, right? Yep. So. Yeah. yeah, I'll take the Rangers there as well. I just think – I wonder if Carolina – you know, the, the Hamilton injury is huge, and I also wonder whether they can score enough. So, um, we'll see. Uh, Montreal and Pittsburgh. Uh, that that's a big Saturday hockey night in Canada that starts off. Yeah, year, so. if it's not Pittsburgh, that's horrifying. Yeah, uh, I'll spot Montreal a game. I'll say like Penguins and four, but I would be stunned if the Canadians figure out a way. It, it will be Claude Julian's finest work if he can get them into Julian the and Price. Yeah, that that's entirely who it comes down to. Yep, is Julian and Carey Price. Yep, I I put the. Uh, I put the Canadians in as a dark horse team in my dark horse column a couple of weeks ago or last week, simply because I think it would just be so fitting if the Canadians went on a huge run here as a team that has no business being in the playoffs uh, and just in a weird season. But yeah, I'm with you. I think way too much talent for Pittsburgh for uh, on Pittsburgh side for, for Montreal to keep up. And finally in the Eastern conference, we've got the Panthers and the Islanders, a series I do not care one bit about. I love the Panthers. Um, it, this series it, I'm going to look like, yeah, I'm going to look like a clown after watching them get boat raced by the lightning in that exhibition game. But I've got, uh, I'll do like Panthers in five. It, and part of my argument is, well, we've seen how Bobrovsky can play in the playoffs. So maybe yeah. we'll call what happened against the lightning an aberration. And the Panthers know how to score. That's the thing is they have so many offensively gifted forwards. Like, they parted with Vincent Trocek with nary a worry because they have so many guys with Huberdeau and Barkov that can score. And so I'm going with the Panthers in five, also because I've been thoroughly unimpressed with the Islanders. Like, I think that's part of it, too, is not so much an, a belief in the Panthers, rather an indictment of the Islanders. Games two and three of that series, August 4th, August 5th, back-to-back days, both at noon. So yeah, that tells you all you need to know about how much that series tough. matters. Um, yeah, I'll take the Panthers because I just think they're better. I also, again, can the Islanders score? I don't really know where they get the offense from. And they don't know who the goalie is. I know Bobrovsky had that a terrible year. But... The, the Panthers' defense is horrid, though. Yeah. It's so bad. Like, I can see a guy like Barzal just skating circles around them. We'll see. Uh, they're going to have Anton Strahlman, who's like 35 years old now, skating – Freaking 25 minutes a night. 
Yeah, that's true. All right, you want to whip through the uh, the Western Conference too, real quick? Sure. Who you got in the uh, the round robin? I think the Stars, only because their defense is so good, and so I can see everyone else trying to find their footing, and Dallas's defense being solid enough to where that will at least get them through the round robin. I'm gonna go St. Louis. I just think they're. I'll go chalk there. They're built to. Not a whole lot has changed, and they had a great season. They kind of proved it. I think they just lean on teams here. I think a team that's built like them is maybe better suited to win games that are seemingly meaningless as well. So I'll take them as well. Uh, let's see. So we've got uh, – what is it? Edmonton and Chicago is one of the first uh, – That's the only one I want to pick as a sweep, but I'm skeptical of thinking that anybody is going to sweep. So I'll do Oilers in four. But there is no reason Edmonton should lose that series. I'll, I'll – give the Blackhawks a game because they do have a lot of experience and they do have, you know, Dominic Kubelik, uh, Alex Dabrinkit, like they have some nice offensive weapons, but there is, there would be no excuse for the Oilers losing. Like game one. They would, big, they game would one. have to trade me. I would not blame Connor McDavid the least bit for saying trade me if they lose this series. I'll just say if Chicago steals game one, it's going to get real tight for Edmonton. So yeah. But, I, yeah, I think Edmonton wins that series. Uh, let's see. Uh, Nashville and Arizona, a series, again, that I will not pay much attention to. Yeah, it, I, I'm going with the Coyotes just because Nashville's had a weird year, and Pecorine isn't great, and they've gotten decent enough uh, goaltending from Saros. But, I don't know. I have a tough time picking them just because it's been such chaos this year. They got their coach canned. You know, John Hines is fine, but – He's only been coaching that team for like two months by the time that the, the pause happened. So I just, I don't see it. And I know that John Chica got, you know, the Coyotes into a weird spot, but I, I don't know. Just give me Arizona. I'll take Nashville there. I think the Predators figured it out with one of those two goalies. They're both at their best good. So whatever. I think one of them figured it out. Uh, Vancouver and Minnesota. Uh, Vancouver. I've been down Vancouver, on Minnesota all year. Vancouver's not a team I want to play at all in the No. Uh, I think no. they are very good. <laughs> they they have some absurd talent and like yeah. they kind of have to win now cuz this is going to be a weird off season for them. They're kind of tied up against the cap. They they've got a lot of guys coming up soon. And so now's kind of their opportunity to strike while they have Markstrom playing as well as he has in that they have to Foley for the rest of the year. And then they already have so much young talent with Quinn Hughes, Brock Besser, Elias Pettersson. So I love that. That is combination. a scary team. I love their combination of like good young talent, but also some guys who have been through this. So I think it's just like a, it's a perfect little mix. Whether it works or not, whether they can get hot for a month or two, who knows? But I wouldn't want to play them. It means they'll probably lose in the, the right exactly. Play, you know? uh, and finally, Calgary and Winnipeg. So Winnipeg only because Connor Hellebuck. Uh, you yeah, know, yeah. That's... The Flames are in a weird spot because they don't know who's going to start for them between Talbot and Riddick, yep. and you know, I, it wouldn't – Calgary was a very good team last year. And so, like, the talent was there, but they didn't show up in the playoffs like they needed to. And so, it wouldn't shock me if Calgary ends up winning. But at the same time, I have a very hard time believing they're going to just roll right past Hellebuck and Winnipeg. Yeah, the top line for Calgary hasn't been right all year. And yeah. I don't know why it all of a sudden gets better now. And, you know – and it's been a weird – like Nashville, it's been a weird year for them, too. I right. mean, there's the whole Bill Peters thing. So, it, they've been in a weird spot. Yeah. Hellbuck's the best player on the ice, probably, when it's all said and done. So, yeah. 
and a short series. Like that's the other thing too. A short series. Like give me the goalie. Like yeah, you know, if and, you can steal one game. I mean, we, I, I've kind of talked about this before, but like Paul Maurice knows how to get that team ready. None of those guys want to be in Winnipeg. Like you see the <laughs> exodus every time that there's free agency. Like Truba got out, Tyler Myers got out, Ben Chirac got out, Patrick Line doesn't want to be there, Dustin Buffling got out. That was all within the last year, and he still found a way to keep that team competitive with nobody except for Nick Ehlers, Mark Shifley, a disgruntled Patrick Line, and Connor Hellebuck. Like, I'll take a team that can find a way to win that way. Yeah. So, that's that. All right. Hockey. It's back. Let's get the hell out of here. Let's do this hockey. Um, yeah, we'll be back again next week. I think next week could be a good time to kind of – we'll have a better idea of what this entire thing looks like, both from an aesthetic standpoint and an actual hockey standpoint. So, I'm looking forward to that as well. I'm looking forward to just doing nothing but watching hockey and all the other sports for the next oh, yeah. two months. Life is – not good. Life is never going to be good again, I don't think, but we're getting clo- as close as we're going to get right now. Yeah. Life is life is passable, especially with hockey and everything back. So. All right. Uh, I'm uh, Mike. That's Logan. This has been the Ness and Bruins podcast. Uh, we'll do it again next week. See you then.